We are all miracles and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world. And it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. It's about showing up every single day. It's about giving all of yourself. It's about evaluating your work. It's about innovating practice to change lives. Every single week, let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the truest and shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. Hey, today I'm going to share my five favorite hacks when it comes to language sampling preschoolers with autism spectrum disorder. These five practices that I'm going to cover today will help ensure that you get the most reliable and valid language sample possible. I always say that autism spectrum disorder is a neurodiverse disorder that requires a neurodiverse approach to therapy in order to be effective. In the same vein, if you want to get an assessment that really is indicative of what the child's typical level of performance is, you're going to want to take a neurodiverse approach. So the five areas that I'm going to cover today are important for all preschoolers, but they're particularly important for preschoolers with autism spectrum disorder when it comes to language sampling. So the first thing we're going to do, let's just dive right in, is talk about the activity. We want to keep the activity the same when we're monitoring progress over time. So let me give you an example of that. If I were to give a child in the fall a dollhouse and he's not really interested in dolls or the dollhouse, the child is not going to communicate with very long, complex utterances, perhaps with a great diversity of vocabulary, with a lot of um, variety in the speech, because Dolls are simply not his thing. This is true for all preschoolers, but the research indicates much more so for preschoolers with autism spectrum disorder. The activity matters more. So if I were to go ahead in the winter semester now and look at his language once again and give him dinosaurs, which are his favorite activity, then the child would show much great improvement in the length and complexity of the utterances and the diversity of vocabulary. And the reason for that is not because of my amazing therapy, most likely, but it's just because of interest in the activity presented, which would greatly impact the communication that the child produces. So instead of that, we want to keep the activity the same. What I like to use are A through Z alphabet boxes that have toys hidden inside. I like to take the boxes and present two at a time to a child to manipulate and freely produce language when exploring the boxes. I'll take that same set of boxes out and then in each marking period to evaluate the language over time. 
I want to keep the activity the same so that I am looking at not the child's interest in the activity, but I'm looking at the gains and the progress and communication skills. So when we look at assessment over time, it's just like research, experimental research. Keep everything the same except for one variable, which brings us to number two, my second hack for getting the best language sample possible with children with autism spectrum disorder. Children with autism spectrum disorder can be great imitators. So if you're doing a lot of questions and then you're making lots of comments, what you might be getting in the language sample is actually a parroting of your own speech. So in other words, you might just be taking a language sample of yourself. We don't want to do that. So what I do when I am evaluating children with autism spectrum disorder is I don't say anything when it comes to questions or anything when it comes to my own comments. What I do is I mirror their speech back to them. So I say immediately after the child speaks exactly what the child says. I parrot the child. Every utterance that I make in the language sample is not my utterance, it's the child's utterance mirrored back to them. That is the only thing I do. And that's because because of the research, we know that the communication partner and how they behave greatly impacts the child's communication. Once again, we want to keep everything the same. When we keep everything the same, we can clearly monitor the progress over time. So we want to keep our speech the same. How can we do that? We can do that by imitating the child, what the child says, and only that. So that's another way of keeping everything the same to monitor growth over time and not monitor other variables such as the child imitating the communication partner. All right, hack number three. The next thing we're gonna look at is the number of continuous utterances we're going to take. We've done the research here, and even though it was only done seven preschoolers with autism, what we found was it took a whole three sessions to get 50 utterances to, to an analyze. Not only that, it took hours to transcribe those utterances. Now, if you're like me and you have a caseload of 50 preschoolers, that's a lot spending hours on a language span sample, aside from spending three whole sessions, when on average you have two a week to work with, three whole sessions, so a week and a half of therapy on collecting the language sample. There has to be a better way. Well, the good news is there is. We did the research and what we found is that children at 25 continuous utterances, there was very little variability to 50. So 25 and 50 utterances, continuous utterances from preschoolers with autism spectrum disorder that had an average, an MLU below four, 
it was pretty much the exact same in terms of the mean length of utterance. And it was pretty much the exact same in terms of the number of times they repeated themselves. So we could get reliable and valid information from the language sample that was 25 utterances instead of 50. So if you wanna look at this research, I have it posted on ResearchGate and it's called 50 continuous utterances, can we split the difference? And what our research has clearly shown is that for preschoolers with autism spectrum disorder, 25 continuous utterances gets the job done, especially if the child has an MLU below 4.0. So that is the third hack. Use 25 continuous utterances and know that you have a reliable and valid, um, valid sample, excuse me. So yes, it's not perfect, but it's good enough. And good enough gets the job done. And any language sample is better than having none done at all. So let's look at our fourth hack. What are we gonna do with that MLU? So we get the language sample and we look at the mean length of morphemes. And we have this child with autism spectrum disorder who probably didn't start talking until four years of age. So this child is on their own trajectory when it comes to speech. What do we do with that mean length of utterance that they just begin talking? It's probably 2.5, it's, it's a very, very small. Do we take it and say, well, let's compare them to their typically developing peers? Well, that really kind of doesn't make sense because they just learned how to talk. Or what can we do with that? And also, when we look at the norms, you only have one standard deviation below and one standard, standard deviation above. Well, what I like to do is this. You go to Mabel Rice's 2010 JSLHR norms. Those are the best we currently have available. And you look at the child and their chronological age. So for instance, if the child is four and a half, look at what four and a half year olds are doing for the MLU. Then look at age five. What are five-year-olds doing for the MLU? Perhaps you find that in that six month interval, children are expected to grow 0.5 MLU. That I refer to as the growth curve. At their age, we're expecting their MLU to improve by 0.5 within the next six months. So maybe our child who just learned to talk is at a 2.5 MLU. What I'm going to want to see, perhaps, to see maturation over time, is that they have a growth curve of 0.5 MLU, if we're looking at chronological age, and a 3.0 MLU six months from now. Another way we can look at growth curve is we can look at the MLU of 2.5, and we can say, okay, maybe it is a two-and-a-half-year-old that has a 2.5 MLU. At that 2.5 MLU, where should that be in six months? In six months, should be at 3.0 MLU. So we could also say that based on their MLU, their mean length of utterance, we would see in a growth curve that in six months, we would like it to see it at 3.0. That is the normal tra trajectory of growth for MLU. So that's how we can use these norms for children that are developing on their own trajectory to see that progress is occurring over time. Sure, maybe they just began talking, 
But that still means that we want to see growth in the mean length of utterance over time. And what, how we don't, we can't really use the norms that match the chronological age because these are children that have been speaking for three or four years. And these children had just learned to talk. But we can look at the growth curve and say, what is the general expectation that we expect to see in six months? What kind of growth do we wanna see in six months if we look at, for someone with an MLU of two? Or what kind of growth do we wanna see for a child that's four and a half in six months? And look at those norms. And then we can see, are we beating the growth curve? Are we making perhaps a one point gain in MLU and only 0.5 is expected? That tells us that perhaps we're doing something right in our therapy. Or maybe we're not seeing any gains in MLU when gains are expected over time. And maybe we'll wanna change things up. So that's how we can use the norms. I like Mabel Rice's norms from 2010. If you put an MLU on the ASHA website, you'll find it quite easily as a way of gauging progress over time in terms of either what's expected with a 2.0 MLU or what's expected for a four and a half year old. Where, where should we be six months from now? What's typical? Okay, now lastly, we're going to look at number five. What is my fifth and last growth hack? This is a very important one. And this one, I never hear anyone talk about. And this is something everyone should be talking about. It's the IRS. And it's not the Internal Revenue Service. I'm not talking about tax collection here. I'm talking about intra-repetitive speech. And that's the percentage of times that the child repeats him or herself verbatim. So for instance, if I have 25 utterances, and in those 25 utterances, five of the utterances, the child said the exact same thing that would tell me this child has an IRS or an intra-repetitive intra speech of 20%. So 20% of this child's utterances are exactly the same, verbatim. The child is repeating him or herself. We do not want to see this. This is actually, when we see progress over time, this is actually gestalt speech. It is not spontaneously produced speech. And of course, as I mentioned before, all speech is good, but we wanna see more spontaneous produced speech. So what we look for over time is we say, okay, maybe in the fall, I was looking at a 20% rate of IRS, intra-repetitive speech. But now here in the winter, I'm seeing a 40% rate of intra-repetitive speech. What does that mean? That means that perhaps the child is regressing. The child is producing more just gestalt speech, more repetitive speech, and less spontaneously generated speech, which we wanna see. I've had this happen many times in the past in which a, a parent uh, would maybe perhaps try to help the child by having the child listen to a lot of perhaps ABC, mouse or something like that. And the child is speaking in these very, very, very long streams of speech that they hadn't spoken before, but it's less spontaneously produced than it was before. 
So when the parent hears that, the parent says, he is getting so much better. He is talking so much more. But when we look at the language sample, the language sample is saying that we're getting a lot less spontaneously present produced speech. And we're getting a lot more, um, uh, um, excuse me, intra repetitive speech. And that means we're kind of going in the wrong direction. So this IRS is an extremely important indicator of the quality of communication. Is the quality of the communication becoming more generative, which is what we like to see, we like to see it more spontaneous, or is it becoming less spontaneous and more repetitive, which we don't want to see? So I highly encourage you to make sure to take note of the child's IRS. That's the intra-repetitive speech, the percentage of utterances that are exact repetitions of utterances that have been said somewhere else in the language sample. We want to see that number go down. If that number goes up, we need to make note of that. Perhaps we need to inform other members of the child's intervention team. This is a very important measurement. When we look at MLU, mean length of utterance, or MLU, the mean lengths of words and utterances, that's a quantifiable need, uh, measurement that shows us the length and complexity of the child's utterances. However, even more important than that is the quality of the utterances. The quality of the utterances can be measured reliably, validly by looking at the IRS. How many times, what percentage does the child repeat exactly what has already been said in the language sample? Very important measurement. This is a measurement that everyone should be talking about, but unfortunately, I hear no one talking about. So I want you to go ahead, take these five hacks that I shared with you today. I'm gonna to just briefly go over these takeaways. The first takeaway is keep the activity consistent. With children with autism spectrum disorder, the activity matters a lot. The second one, keep your communication consistent. With children with autism spectrum disorder, less is more. I prefer that you say absolutely nothing when it comes to communication uh, samples for children with autism spectrum disorder and simply mirror their speech back to them. Number three takeaway that we had here today is to collect not 50 continuous utterances, which could take up to three whole therapy sessions in hours and hours of your time, but 25. 25 gets the job done and is just better use of limited time. Number four, when it comes to the MLU, use those measurements to measure the growth curve over time. What is that MLU 
in the growth curve and what is expected six months from now when you look at that MLU or what is expected for that child's chronological age and growth in MLU six months from now? Should it be a one point gain in MLU? Should it be a 0.5 gain in MLU? What is the growth curve look like so that you can gauge progress and if it's following that trajectory or not? And the fifth tip and the fifth takeaway when it comes to language sampling for children with autism spectrum disorder is the most important, the IRS, not the tax collector. We're talking intra-repetitive speech. What percentage of the utterances are exactly repeated? They've been said somewhere else in the language sample verbatim by the child. This is a measurement that measures something that we uh, don't want to see, which is gestalt speech. We want to see less of that over time. We want to see more generative speech. So this is a measurement of quality that's very important. It's very important to share with the child's team and caregivers whether the quality of communication is becoming more spontaneous, which we want to see, or less spontaneous so that we can change what we're doing if we're going in the wrong direction and we can continue what we're doing if we're going in the right direction. Thank you so much for joining me today. I want you to take this information, roll up your sleeves, put it to work, and make the world a better place.